0: <laughs> <laughs> wow wasn't that special we've had uh, we've had uh, baptisms at each of our services today and um, I don't think we've had that in the t- nearly two years that I've been here at each service eight ten and the 6 and it's just been a special time over this period i trust that you were with us at our time of worship on thursday <clears throat> you missed out on a good thing if you weren't here it was just so rich to be in god's presence and then friday morning it was so rich to be ministered to by god and uh, over this time and uh, there's just such great rejoicing in the heavenlies over the two billion saints who worshipped God and praised him for his magnificent gift of Jesus over these uh, these a couple of days. So just a few verses from Matthew's gospel and uh, verse 28. <coughs> this morning I read about the, the death of Christ and I want to read about the resurrection tonight. <coughs> so after the Sabbath verse 1 at dawn on the first day of the week
1: (coughs) Mary Magdalene and the other
0: I wonder if we could have that water (coughs) I've got a French frog in my throat He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And they couldn't find him. Praise God for an empty tomb that has given hope to the world, given us life. Many, many years ago, when I was a teenager, being brought up in a non-Christian home, had no concept of God or Christianity and grew up thinking, well, if there is a God, you know, why is the world in such a mess? Why is there so much suffering? Who wants to serve a God like that if he is in existence, which I doubted at the time? And then God broke into my life and changed and transformed it. And I began to read the word of God and began to understand that God created man for fellowship with himself. But mankind rebelled against God. They were walking together, and he rebelled against. They rebelled against God. They went their own way and thought they were better off, would be better off on their own, doing their own thing. And all the chumos that is in the world was from that. All the heart, all the pain, from that rebellion. God created an intimate relationship with mankind, and it was thoroughly, completely destroyed. And Physical and spiritual death came into existence. And we know, we've been at funerals, we know what it's like. Spiritual death cut off from God. And that's why God invaded this world 2,000 years ago in the form of his son Jesus Christ. And he came to rescue us, he came to save us. So unique amongst all the religions of the world, only Christianity As recorded, that God came in to this world, revealed Himself to us, and He died and He rose from the dead on our behalf, giving us new birth, new life. In Acts chapter four and verse twelve, it talks about the uniqueness of Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven and earth to given to men by which we must be saved. Only Jesus can claim that. There's salvation in himself and nobody else. If someone walked down the road and said, I'm God. Well, he'll be taken to the loony bin. Not Jesus. He proved it in his life and in his ministry. His chief reason for coming into this world was to die. He lived to die. He lived to die. We have children today so that they live, so that they're alive, not so that they die. But he didn't only die, he rose from the dead. He rose victoriously. If it stopped there, if if there was only a death on the cross, it would have been insufficient, incomplete. God the Father would not have been pleased with that. But that he rose from the dead was proof that God the Father accepted this glorious, victorious death, where he took upon himself our sin and sins of the whole world world. Victor Quillingen says it so well, from virgin birth to crucifixion and resurrection, Christ engaged the powers of evil and won decisively. He won decisively. It was the greatest battle and the greatest victory that this world has ever seen because it changed the history of the world and it changed eternity forever for us. And that's why we rejoice that's why this time is so special for us to give praise to our mighty mighty god his death produced life ephesians 2 and verses 4 and 5 says because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy made us alive made us alive in christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins they went into the watery grave they come out out of that watery grave into a new life it signified what god had done inwardly in their hearts and lives and it's precious to see baptismal service also precious to see a father baptizing a daughter and her special friend in all the religions of the world we have spiritually dead people trying to save themselves and they cannot save themselves They cannot. And so if you're in that category tonight and you are with us and you're trying to be religious and you're trying to earn points with God, give it up because the risen Christ is here and He's here to transform your life today. He died so that we might have life. And we need to die as well so that we might have life. We need to die to self. We need to realize that we're sinners. We're cut off from God. Eternally cut off from God, but for Christ. When we come to realize that we're wretched, poor, and blind, that, that we need the Savior desperately, then we, we run to Him. We run to Him. We run with all, with all of our hearts. On the day of Pentecost, when they preached, after the day of Pentecost, on, when they preached to these 3,000 people, they, they stopped Peter midway in his, in his preach, and they said, stop, like, what must we do to be saved? They were cut to the heart. They were convicted of their sinfulness, that they were, they were smashed. They were out of it. They needed, they needed rescuing. And Peter said, yes, you need Jesus. You need to repent. You need to be baptized. And you will be made whole. John chapter 5 and verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. He's crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life. How magnificent is that? If you've experienced that tonight, I I trust that your heart is rejoicing, that that your heart is glad, that that your your heart is doing somersaults and cartwheels as we look back and celebrate 2,000 years ago. From death to life. What is life all about? What is this life? Well, it's eternal life. Firstly and foremostly, Romans 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, it's spiritual death, being cut off from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're talking about from life, from death to life. And this is it. He's given us eternal life. It's a gift. It's a gift. We can't earn it or deserve it. It's the most precious gift in all the world. And all the money in all the world cannot afford to buy the gift of salvation or eternal life. All the richest people in all the world with all the money is combined. It's priceless. It's priceless. And it's eternal. So we're going to be with God for, for all eternity. And the Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11 says that there will be eternal pleasures Forevermore. How about that? Forevermore. I trust that you're looking forward to that. I, I, I trust that your, your, your sights are firmly in the future and saying, I'm living for that. I'm living to be with God. I'm living to enjoy Him forever and forever. Eternal life. A quality of life. A wonderful life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life in its abundance. The thief, Satan, has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come. To give you life in abundance, have you got it? Have you got that life? Have you have you have you embraced it? Have you embraced Jesus? That's eternal life. It's a quality of life. It begins here and now. It's not just for the by and by, but it's here, and we can enjoy this Jesus. He gives us a foretaste of glory. We enter into a different realm. We. D- we enter into another, another dimension when Jesus comes into our lives and we accept eternal life. We realize that it's not just this world, this, this, world, this materialistic world, this world that we can see and touch and taste. But we, we enter into a spiritual realm. We're in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. We have a foretaste. It says in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. We have it here and now. We have it here and now. One of my leaders in my previous church said to me, Pierre, he grew stale in his faith. He had been a Christian for a long time. And he said, there must be more to the Christian life than this. Yes, there is. There is. There's much more. It doesn't stop at conversion. It doesn't stop the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. I've been on the road for over 50 years serving God from saying it doesn't exist to him changing my life radically. And he's still continuing to change my life. I need to make that little plaque on my desk. He's not finished with me yet. There's much more in the Christian life. Don't grow stale. Don't grow old. Don't don't look back and say, oh, you know, I received Christ, you know, 120 years ago. Be all and end all. No, no, there's more. How much more do you want? How much more of of the spiritual life in God do do you want? Are you hungry for more? Are Are we passionate for more? Do we come running into this place and saying, I can't wait for Sunday to worship and adore God? To give Him my praise, my thanks. We should be like that. We should be living in that, with that attitude. And we need to grab ourselves by the collar when we grow stale and say, Come on, come on, there's more, there's more. It's a gift of eternal life. We have to die daily to receive this and to walk in it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 31, I die Every day, I die daily. He was willing to die physically, but not only physically for his Lord, but he was willing to die spiritually every day. Every day. He said, I put myself on the altar with God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet Christ, not me, but Christ in me and through me. That's what, what made him such an amazing man with such amazing joy and sm- such amazing insight. Into the word of God. He kept growing. He kept wanting more. And he reveled in his salvation. So another aspect of moving from death to life. Is that we become friends of God. And part of his family. Ephesians 1 and verse 5 says. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Through Jesus Christ. Adopted. There are millions of orphans across the world. Who live in terribly shocking conditions on the streets. Castaways haven't got proper shelter, haven't got proper clothing, protection, food, no parental care, no love. It's very sad. It's very, it's very tragic. Imagine a young couple who are full of love and compassion, and they're wealthy, and they come across this little boy, and he's, he's been there for years, and they, they take him in, and they make him part of the family, and they adopt him, and all that is theirs is his. And they lavish their love on this youngster. Would you agree that he would be thousands of times better off than he was in the streets? This is a picture of us when it says that we've been adopted. This is a picture of uh, of Christ coming to us on the streets of sin and saying, "Come, come! I'm calling you. I'm wooing you. I'm drawing you t- to myself." Come and be my son. Come and be my, my daughter. We were pitiful. We were naked. We were blind. We were destitute. We were out hoping, out of future, outside of Jesus Christ. And then he took us into his family. He took us out of the family of destruction because we belonged to the enemy. We belonged to Satan. We were reprobates. We were castaways. And then we became the true children of God by adoption. How precious is that? Enormous is that? Adoption is costly. It costs God everything. It costs Jesus everything. It's not a cheap salvation. And unfortunately, many, many Christians, in their conduct, in their lifestyle, in their attitude, it's like, oh, well, easy come, easy go. And we, we can saunter in, saunter out. We can love God for a month and, lo- and not love him for another month and And we can just wander around. How can we do that? We are sons and we are daughters of God. We have full rights as sons and daughters of God. Brought into the family and we can call him father. Here's the God of the universe (laughs) who's inviting us to call him father. Astounding. (laughs) Stupendous. That he wants us to sit on his lap and say, Abba, father, daddy, God. Maybe you've never been loved by an earthly father, but you can be loved by the perfect father, the father of all fathers. To be loved by him is special and it is precious. Has this been your experience? Do you know the love of the Father? Have you come into His into His family? You can come into that family today, and He will bring you in and you will be given a brand new life. It can start today. So this death-to-life experience brings us freedom. 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. The Israelites were given extra burdens as the years went on. And there came a day when God said, That's enough. I'm going to release you. From being slaves to the Egyptians. And he set them free. Can you imagine what it would have been like? You were one of over a million people who were set free. From generation to generation to generation. All you knew was being a slave. And now you were free. Free. Here's a picture of our salvation in Jesus Christ. He set us free from slavery. And we need every day to revel and say God. You've done a magnificent thing. I was a slave to sin. I was smashed. I had no hope. I had no nothing. I had no freedom. In Switzerland, when we were living there, there was a, there was a, a syndicate that they had uncovered. They had lured some teenage girls and some young women from the poorer Eastern Bloc countries and under the pretext to Switzerland thinking that they had jobs and they were locked up in flats in apartments in and around Geneva and other cities and they were, they were sex slaves. They became sex slaves. Can you, can you be- believe that they, they could do something like that? There are, 30, there are 35 million slaves today across the globe. How sad and tragic is that? Fortunately it was found out that this was going on and, and they were set they were set free. But you can imagine that jubilation. You can imagine what went on in their hearts and their lives when they were freed from this horror. The the Bible depicts us all as slaves, all as slaves, because we have inherited a sinful nature from, from our forebear that went like that to God. And we don't become sinners because we start sinning. But because of the inherent sin that we inherit. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. John chapter 8 and verse 34. What goes through your mind when you see street people who who? Uh, are alcoholics who are slaves to alcohol and s- slaves to drugs. What what goes through your minds? How sad and how tragic that is. I can remember as a teenager when I didn't really have too much of a concept of what, what that meant and thinking to myself very judgmentally, what's, what's wrong with these guys? I mean, just pull out of it, snap out of it. And it's like, Turn your back on, on on that stuff, you know, and, and that lifestyle, you know. Why, why submit yourself to, to that kind of... Lifestyle. But they couldn't transform themselves. They can't transform themselves. They're locked into a slavery of addiction and of a lifestyle that will keep them there unless God sets them free. And without God as our Father and without Jesus Christ as our Savior, we too are slaves to sin. And we can't transform ourselves. There's no ways that we can better ourselves. Only God can break in and set us free. John chapter 8 and verse 36 says says that if the Son shall set you free, you will be free indeed. Are you free? Are you free? Are you living in freedom? Has He set you free? Jesus paid the penalty, He paid the ransom. And by His stripes, we are healed. We are set free. You can enjoy that freedom today. And maybe as born-again believers, we, we've been set free some years ago, but maybe we've become entangled again with, with certain bad habits. And God is here today to set us free, to give us liberty. This is the day that we look back 2,000 years ago. And Jesus paid the price. He ransomed us. We were slaves like they had in the slave market. And, and a wealthy man could come and, and, and buy a slave and then just set him free. Say, so, okay, you can, you can become a free man. And that's what Jesus did. You can become a free man to enjoy my kingdom, to enjoy my fellowship. But when we become entangled again, That freedom is curtailed. That freedom is destroyed. And there's no peace in that. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How can we live in it any longer? We cannot call ourselves free men and free women. And so this new life, it brings us great joy, and this is our final point. Before I became a Christ follower, I thought that that, that God was a killjoy, a sport. And when I became a Christian, I realized it was just the opposite. You know, God is perfect, isn't he? And so he has perfect joy. He has perfect peace. He has perfect fulfillment. He's perfect in in every way. And so when we run away from God, we're running away from perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect fulfillment. Which way are you running to? You're running to God or away from God? Let's run to Him and know His peace and know His joy. Jesus Christ is the happiest and most joyful person in the universe, says John Piper. And that's born out in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. God has anointed this Jesus with the oil of joy and gladness above and beyond his companions. We don't serve a sad and somber somber God. And what's more, he he wants us to have his joy. So often the world thinks of a Jesus as, you know, uh, want to swat you, you know, want to, you know, clop you. And, uh, you know, uh, and he's like sitting up there, you know, all groaning and, and, and moaning. No, he's the most joyful uh, under the sun. He, Jesus gave us this, um this this picture of of the lost coin the lost sheep and, and and the lost son and you know them quite well i'm sure and and each time the coin the, the sheep or the son was found there was great jubilation they called their friends and they said wow look at this let's have a party and the one in in the lost coin there were there was rejoicing in the heavenlies and in the lost A son, it says that he had passed from death to life and the father threw a party. There's a party that's thrown in heaven. Did you know when one sinner comes to salvation? Can you imagine the joy? Two thousand years ago when Jesus rose from the dead and he saw the millions that were ever going to come to salvation. Man, that must have been the mother of all parties. (laughs) <laughs> that, that There must have been so much joy, so much joy, so much rejoicing. And We can enter into the joy, into the joy of, of our Lord. These things have I spoken to you, says Jesus, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He was a man of sorrows, yes, when he faced the cross and he took upon himself our sin. But he, he went to the cross joyfully. Bearing our sins. My joy may be in you and your joy may be full. That's God's desire for us to be joyful. Peter says, and addressing uh, a number of churches, 1 Peter chapter 1, you read it on your own. And they were going through a time of trial and and tribulation. And they were moaning against God and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? Why have you let me... Uh, experienced this. And they were turning their backs on God. No, no, they weren't. They were joyful. You look at verse 6 of 1 Peter 1 verse 6. They were full of joy. And he says in verse 8, they had an inexpressible and glorious joy. Nothing can take away our joy. Not e- not even trial and tribulation. Not even persecution. Because it's a supernatural joy that God puts into our hearts and our lives. This is the life that God gives to us. This is the life that he offers us. When you submit to him, you can know that joy today. Maybe your life is not full of joy and you do not know Christ. He offers you his friendship, his lordship, his family, his kingdom, his everything tonight. You'll be a million times better off than you were on the streets of sin. It's your choice. Maybe tonight somebody here is not certain. Maybe you've made a commitment or a decision years ago and you've not followed through. You don't have assurance of eternal life. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't know that. You don't know that for sure. If you had to die tonight of heart attack or a taxi had to take you out, where would you be? Jesus is here tonight to give you that assurance. He gives you his presence. He gives you his person. He gives you his friendship. Will you respond to him tonight? Christian, what about us? Do we know this life? Are we filled with this life? Are we dying to self? And we're living to him and for him and for his glory. You know, I had a fear when I was your age. As teenagers, when I accepted Christ as my savior, I had, had a fear that I'd fall away because I used to grab things and run with them and, and discard them. I was very good with going after newfangled um, hobbies and, and whatever else. And he's kept me all these years. And I can truly say that he satisfies the deepest longings of my heart. And he can you too. Let's pray. Our God, our Father, how we bless you. How we praise you that you're the living God. You're in our midst. You rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. Totally victorious. And your victory brought us life. And your victory gives us the possibility of coming out of the dungeon of sin. Being set free from a prison. And thank you, Lord, that... You offer that to us tonight. Lord, we ask that you would undertake for us if there are any born-again believers who have been sucked back into the world. pray that this will be the night where they confess that as sin, where they turn their back on it and they follow you wholeheartedly. Do that now, won't you? Do that now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Why allow it to smash you? And just sense that that God is is saying to me that there are some who have gone into bad habits, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, but these things have been pulling you down, taking away your joy, taking away your peace. Why don't you turn your backs, backs on it right now? Thank you, God. Thank you that you see that response. Thank you that you see the response of the one who's crying out, what must I do to be saved? In Jesus' name, amen. We'd love for you to come and speak to us. If you're one of those that you've never accepted Jesus or you'd like to be assured of your salvation, we'd love to pray with you. Don't run away. Come. Let us pray with you and let us uh, introduce you to our friend and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord bless. Have a great week.